Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on iHeartRadio, or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm disappointed to say I'm now working remotely again with uh, Wilkie V. Love Third Will. What's good? What's going, on, man? what's going on, man? Out here in South Beach, the cruise wasn't enough. I had to come out here and stay in the Caribbean sun and keep a little bit longer. I unfortunately am on my way back to uh, to landscaping after we get done recording this podcast. But you know, um, as as my girlfriend's family jokes, you got to feed the family. You know, you got to make the money. So uh, absolutely, getting back to doing that. But we definitely wanted to jump on here, and now that we're um, now that we're off the boat and kind of away from that, and had a chance to reflect a little bit for a day. Um, let's let's talk about the teacher heart out cruise and um, start you know our thoughts and the sessions and just kind of give people a rundown of what it is because we were we were just talking a second ago that we want to make sure that when people see the pictures it although we had a great time with great friends and had a luau and, and those things that it was really a true to heart professional development um, more than it was just a party right right. Right, and I think that's the thing that we have to nail home because, like I say, the, the, that is the iron sharpening of the of the of the um, of the cruise. The fact that we were actually able to sit with some amazing presenters and uh, get filled up. You know, um, you know, I've been saying it the whole whole trip. It's PD on your terms, so you know you get to choose the sections you go to based on what it is. And it's not like it was just. I mean, there was there was some rich content. Uh, my wife also went to some of the elementary, lower grade level stuff, and very practical things, stuff that you can actually take and go back into the classroom with. You know, some one of the, some of the presenters, I think it was Juan Gonzalez, gave all the participants access to the Google Drive that has all the Black Lives Matters to all of the things that they went through, mm -hmm. uh, that they went over with them. So it's not like it's just someone coming and motivating you and getting inspired. There's people inspiring you with actual content knowledge that will help you do what you do. Yeah, so why don't we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't we, to prove that point, work backwards? So let's go from Sunday to Saturday to Friday to make sure that we're, you know, like, making the point of what was most important. Because honestly, like, for me, the moment at Sandy Land's primary um, was probably the most the most powerful um i i don't know how to say this any more concretely than i if you have yet to hear casey bethel speak in person you are you are missing out um he doesn't publicize a lot of what he does but if he is in your city and you can find him you get a chance you gotta you gotta listen to casey bethel 
Like, I mean, he is a friend. He is a friend. He, you know, he's family. But I, I, I hesitate to have heard someone speak. Like, I put it on the level of that time we went to see ET in Houston. Like, it's, it's approaching yeah. that in terms yeah. of and, the quality of the content and, I, and the presentation. And really, a little more personal than that because we share the same craft. You know, ET is a motivational speaker. That's what he does. He's paid to go out and motivate. Casey's not a motivational speaker. He's a teacher who decided that I want to give other teachers this energy. We know that energy is not is not created, nor can it be destroyed. It's merely transferred from one thing to another. And so the energy that he brings, man, but with his experience, you know, 15 years of experience in the classroom, um, his transparency, his authentic, authenticity, man, it, it's just, I, I can't put, I mean, like you said, the dynamic power, mm-hmm. wonderful, amazing. I mean, there's not enough adjectives to really describe it. And, and I'm not just pumping him up because, you know, that we're close to him and we consider him a friend. When, when I'm not pumped, that's not the reason we're doing it. We're doing it because if you have ever had an opportunity to be in the same room with him, uh, this was my wife's first time meeting him. And she said, I see why you say what you say about him. Mm-hmm. The workhorse, man. And he goes and gets it. And, and I, I love that about him. And for him to be as transparent as he was with us uh, in our session about him growing up, um, why we chose to go to the schools in the Bahamas, um, because that's where he's from. Mm-hmm. And where he grew up. And to go back there and his aunt to be the principal or the headmistress of the school. Um, mm-hmm. man, like I say, I'm still a ball of emotions. Every time I begin to think about the kids' faces, the parents' faces, the community, looking at the fact that people that don't know you are willing to invest in you so that you can have a better future, so that you can have what you need in order to level the playing field. Um, we know that in education, even, even in the United States, we, we struggle with trying to level and balance that, that playing field. And I feel like we did a, a big thing to kind of Push the push the advantage in their hands as to where they can actually be able to succeed and do what they need to do. Yeah, that's You know, to to fill up a set of steps that are probably forty or fifty feet wide and you know six steps deep with school supplies to be able to make sure that all those kids are um, are getting what they need, but also just to have the perspective um, and just. You know, to just see something outside of, you know, I heard a lot of people, jo- you know, joking about the hashtag white, you know, first world problems. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what we deal with those things, you know, we were, we were on the tour buses and like the tour buses have a jump seat. So like, you know, there's the row. So I sat all the way to the back, but then there's another seat that flips up. So I was like in the back, like couldn't get out while the bus was moving and you know, it's screaming through Nassau and on one side, you know, we were lucky. We had a, a driver named Tyrone on the way back that was like talking us through it. Cause he's a tour guide when he's not driving the buses. And he's like, most of the homes on this side are bought by American athletes and actors. And, you know, on this side, you know, is, is these different things. And he's like, true Bahamians. Most of them have never even swam. They don't know how to swim, you know? So it's just to have the cultural experience um, 
I thought that was the most powerful part. And to see, you know, over 400 teachers volunteer, you know, their morning on the, you know, really the last day of the cruise when we were in Nassau Mm -hmm. to go stand out in the school and sweat and, you know, be hot and, and wait on kids. And I think that's another thing the, that I was so impressed by with the, the, the cruise and the conference itself was how flexible the staff was in making sure everybody was getting what they needed, but also like how accepting the teachers were once things got going and they saw the whole thing that, you know, there were a few bumps and bruises, but I thought all in all, it was an, you know, an incredibly um, well-coordinated event considering they never done it before. Right. Never before. And, and I believe that we we were part of something, man, that, that, that really, I'm going to call it, I'm going to go ahead and say it's revolutionary. Um, you know, you've heard of, you know, goodwill missions of people going around and doing things. Um, you, know, you know, I remember, you know, being a part of a church and being part of Christian missions to go and help out in other places, in other countries. But to be with a group of teachers and go and become educational missions uh, and become missionaries for education to go out into these countries, like, I, I don't want to get emotional now thinking about it, man, but just knowing, you know, like, it takes me back to Lewis Howes and, you know, the you know, promise of a council. Um, that it's so powerful what the little things, in case he said it in his speech and I posted it on him, he says, you know, a few people did a lot for that community. A few people did a lot for that, for that community. And that is... Um, Man, that, like I said, that experience, I know from myself, my wife, um, personally, man, it was one that I'm not going to let go of, and I'm actually going to try to seek out more opportunities to uh, to do that same thing, and even get my students involved in doing things like that. Yeah, I mean, and we'll have to maybe try to cut it in, because we recorded a little video on your phone while we were there on the importance of service learning, so shoot me Absolutely. that over, and I'll try to cut, I'll cut it in right here for y'all, but... Um, so that was great. So let's let's come back to the session um, and just debrief a little bit on the sessions because once again, you know, like some of the presenters I'd seen before, but yet they continue to make things fresh and make things different and continue to improve. Um, it's very much not a, you know, this is our third time and I don't think I've ever seen a repeat of a session. Even though I've seen the same presenters. Yeah, yeah. And and then I think we'll, we'll be remiss not to mention the fact that teachers gave up a day at Coco Cay to stay on the boat to do sessions. So let's just pause there for a moment because while everyone else was on the boat that was on the boat with us, most other people went and enjoyed their whole day at Coco Cay. We docked at 7 in the morning didn't leave full out, didn't close the gangway until five. I know you and I, we went over with my wife to during lunchtime mm-hmm. and got to experience a little bit of it and then went right back on the boat and went right back engaging in sessions. Uh, and I think that that showed the commitment to the growth, that it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to come out here and go party. It was a, hey, guys, this is an opportunity for us to come out here and to learn. And, and, and I mean... When you think of like that one thing about yourself, you gave up a day at the beach. Literally. 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 A day at the beach on a private island 
in order to sit in sessions to grow, to become better for your students. That right there should be the hallmark to what Teach Your Heart Out is. I'll forego my own personal pleasures, my own personal excitement for things um, in order to make sure that my students can grow and I can be equipped to be able to meet the challenges that's going to come. Well, you know, and, and I look at someone like Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Odgers, um, who is better known on Instagram as a hipster art teacher, like how committed these people are to getting people what they desire. Chelsea's session got moved four different times to four different rooms and four different time slots. And <clears throat> oh goodness, excuse me. Um, Salute. Bless you. But you know, like she was flexible. Eric and Michelle Schrock, you know, <laughs> didn't go to the Luau at all because they, they wanted to make sure first that these teachers who paid their money and like you said, gave their time we're going to get what they deserve. And, you know, like on that day, like on the professional development day, Chelsea didn't get done until like five 30. So she was literally working from seven to five 30 while on a cruise ship. While on a cruise ship. Right. You know, when she could have been doing other stuff and Matt, you know, like Matt was running, Matt's running everywhere with a camera, you know, just doing, doing the things to making sure, you know, to make sure we capture those things. Um, but uh, I went to Juan and Brittany Root session, which was also featured Bethany Humphrey uh, on creating engagement uh, through adventure, which I thought was really good. Um, and then we were, I think we're going to circle, we'll circle back to this session at the end, but we were both in Casey's second session. Um, Monica Genta lit the world on fire, which is kind of what she does. She just was killing it with how to use games uh, in the classroom. There's a video of you doing the uh, paper pickup challenge, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then and I finished up with, um, gosh, you know, well, I, as soon as we start, you know, the first time we had Eric Crouch on the podcast, you know, I, I've loved that dude since, but he has truly become, you know, family and, and I can, and I'm, I'm really happy to say that. So is Jed Derryberry. Um, those two cats, like in their boy, Jed. Dude, I, if there's a person who I, man, I, I love, I love Jed and we'll, we'll add Matt John 10 in there, but um, that was the first like really extended time I got to spend with Jed. Um, Jed's an amazing, amazing person. Um, Jed Derryberry, Mr. Derryberry. Unapologetically, he is yeah. unapolog unapologetically himself. And I love that. Do you do you think that's the th do you think that's the thread that connects those people? Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I said that in a post when I uh, you know Eric Eric was we were at the school and he was like, hey guy, we hadn't taken a picture together and we took a picture, so I posted it and I said, you know, I love being around people who they're not trying to make you a copy of themselves or a copy of who they are. They're encouraging you to be yourself. And we can go all the way back to what was inspired five years ago now. Inspire Aldi was five years ago. Four. Four years ago, when we when we sat down and started talking about the ABCs of inspired teachers, what was the very first thing we said? Authenticity. That is the first A. Is authenticity. You cannot teach from a, from a place that's 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 not genuine, because students, kids will know that you're not being genuine. As the kids say, they know you're not being one hundred. You know, mm -hmm. and so Jed, Eric, Casey, Monica. Lindsay, like these are people who 
I'm watching Monica in her session. And I love the fact that she actually brought in a video of her doing these same things in her classroom. Mm -hmm. Right. You could see the level of excitement in the kids when they, you know, got all excited. Um, Man, man, I can't even. (sighs) Yeah. And before we talk about the cases of the section, I went to cases. The first session I went to was, I now pronounce you coaches. Um, and Casey's talking about um, having that marriage between the um, gen ed teacher and your co-teacher for those uh, special ed, special education students. And um, during that session, he was so transparent about what it is that, um, and I'll share a clip that I recorded him talking about it, and you can plug it in right here, um, about um, that marriage between teacher and gen ed teacher and co-teacher and how that relationship, you know, is built on, you know, commitment to compromise. You know, and he sent us through several activities to talk about compromise, um, being creative. You know, he went through, it's, yeah, let me just go ahead and just go to my, my, my notes. Yes, I did take notes while I was on a cruise. <laughs> I did too. And I took, you know, and it was so funny too, because I took your, you know, your advice. I didn't, I didn't take my computer. I didn't take my backpack. I had my phone because I wanted to record some of those moments mm-hmm. um, because I want to share it. Like I want to share that experience with people, but I just had paper notes, man. And I was just like, I really, I really enjoyed having that. So. Yeah, and he said, but what he said was, when you're dealing with co-teachers and communication was so key, he says, don't assume they see what you see when you said what you said. Don't assume that they get the vision just because you said it. You have to make sure that you're clear. Do you understand? You know, and it's like, you think, okay, well, that's kind of elementary. Well, everything in this world is elementary. Sherlock Holmes told us that. You know, elementary, my boy, Watson, elementary. You know, <laughs> because, and as educators, everything we do is so basic in its core. Because education is, 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 is the oldest thing. Because every creature on this planet educates the it's young. It shows them where's the best watering hole. You know, I, I think it's interesting that when you look at African elephants, they follow the exact same migration patterns as their family. They don't stray. They know those things. So those babies learn. This is where we go during this time of the season. When the rains leave, we go here. When the rains come, we go here. That's education. That's learning. When you see this, you hear this, you stop, you do this, you pay attention. That's learning. And it, everything we do is so basic and primal that simply saying that it's elementary to tell somebody, tell me back what I said so that I can understand that you understand what I'm saying. Tell me what you hear. And what he said was, okay, draw a picture of what you think that looks like. I'm going to draw a picture of what I think it looks like and let's compare notes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and uh, we did that activity where I I was facing the back wall, my partner was facing the window, I mean, the, the screen, he put a picture up and I had to listen to my partner and ask questions and draw a picture of what my partner was telling me that I had to draw. 
And that scenario forces us to look at and see how is it that we are using the information we're getting and how are we inquiring to gain, gain a deeper knowledge about what's being asked of us. And it was amazing to see everybody who was facing the wall drew a different picture, but everybody that was facing the screen saw the same picture. Oh, that's great. Uh, all four people saw the same picture. All four people that was doing the drawing drew a different picture. Why is that? You know what I mean? And when he talked about that communication piece, then we debriefed about it, like what could have been done differently? What was some of the pitfalls from that? What could you learn from that? And I think the ability to be able to learn from what you're doing in the moment that you're doing it and grow from that experience, man, it, like I said, that session was so profound to me, man. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it, man, it just, I can't, I can't get enough, man. And especially for me at home, because with me going back into teaching with a co-teacher this school year, um, I need to be able to know what energy do I need to bring into this? Because again, class, teachers' classrooms are territorial. You know, most, a lot of teachers are territorial and it's my class and you're just in here to help me. You know what I mean? You're here to help me. So just, just when I tell you I need your help and then somebody asks a question, does everybody know, does help look the same for everybody? Educators, we interrupt this podcast to bring you this exclusive offer we have teamed up with Nearpod to offer you, yes, you, a three-month gold membership and $25 in content credit for free. That's right, free. You can click on the link in the show notes or go to nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's nearpod.com backslash value adds value for this exclusive offer. Now, back to the podcast. You know, does that word help? Does that, does that mean the same thing for everybody? No. So again, being clear about what it is that you want and casting a vision that everybody can see. Well, and I remember, and, and I will shout out a couple of our friends, you know, that we taught with at Stellic, because my experience with, at my first school with co-teachers was not, like, it was very, it was very regular ed teachers, and, you know, they were kind of separate entities. There were, it was just like, Set, the co-teachers would say, send me your lessons, I'll modify them. And that was like the extent of the relationship. And then you get people like like Anna Gilliland and you get Amanda who are like unbelievable. And, you know, there's there were so many others in that department at Stellic that I can't remember off the top of my head. But those were the two that I really got close with and that I worked with who just made it so collaborative. And And, you know, the difference was you know, even this thing, like, is it the co-teacher, not is it, but can the co-teacher help regular students? You know, can they be engaged? You know, is there times where the co-teacher can engage with the regular ed students so you as the teacher can go support the the special ed students? And those, I, I just got done talking about, I was in an interview last week and I just got done, I got asked that question. What, what does co-teaching look like to you? You know, so... And I have to give a shout out to, because I started in, in special education. My first job was as a uh, paraprofessional gap aide in Aldine. And then I moved to an inclusion teacher. Um, and I had the greatest mentor slash 
co-teach slash friend slash Google in the person of Kim Davis, who quickly Kay reminded Kay Davis, <laughs> who quickly reminded me that you're not here just to sit here and, and, and be the one to manage behavior. I manage behavior. This is our classroom. I, we, we can do that together. You're not the one to sit here and just work with this particular population. I need you engaged. I need you teaching. I need you to learn the art of teaching and watching her teach and going through lessons with her. This is how we do this. This is why we go here. This is why we started at this point. This is why I do this. To where as a novice teacher, and that was my first year, she was able to show me the, the nuances of navigating planning for students because she would keep a folder and literally every single day, she would have every single day of a lesson scripted out in her handwriting. And I know if she hears this, she's going to be mad at me, which I couldn't read. She writes like a doctor, but she understood and she had it listed out. If kids don't, if, it's almost like that little map. If they get here and they don't get it, then go here. If they get here and they get it, then you go here. If they get here and they don't get it, you go back here. Don't go back here. Go here. Like she literally had this web of, of differentiation that, that showed me that when you pour everything into your planning, your students will be successful because you already have that contingency plan of what happens when they don't get it. You're not on your heels. You're on your toes. And then I have to shout out Shannon Williams. Um, yeah, when I had her as a co-teach when I taught math and science, and I defaulted to the fact that said, hey, look, I'll teach math, you co-teach math, you teach science, I co-teach science. So our roles, every, every class period shifted because she was with me all day long. So we shifted back and forth to math and science, math and science. And those, we were the first two-person team to do we taught math and science. My partner taught social studies and reading. And so that experience was so amazing to be able to work with people who understood how to masterfully navigate that space of, of differentiation and, and scaffolding and, and inclusion. You know, not, oh, you, I'm going to take these five and sit over here because they're spare babies. No, 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 no. You're going to take those five and grab these four over here too. Give me that one now because that one now need to come over here. You you give me four, I'm gonna give you these, I'm gonna give you those four, give me that one, I'm gonna give you four back. You take eight, I'll take the rest. You know what I mean? Like navigating that, 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 how do you do flexible grouping? How do you determine based on the data how to put kids in groups? How do you look at the data to say how what I should be working on within those groups? That takes skill. And that's not something that happens by accident. You cannot happenstance into it. You have to actually work toward it. So, right. um, but yeah, so that's, I know we spent more time on, on that, but I think that's such a big piece of where we're going in education. And we had talked about it about that, you know, it's pretty soon it's going to the point where every kid is going to have an individual education plan. And I think they should. No more blankets for, for education. That's not going to get it because every kid needs something different. Every single kid needs some type of differentiation every diff different modality of reaching them, of learning, of, of, of gathering skills. So, yeah, Casey did a great job in, in putting that together and showing how that works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we can talk about his last, um, <laughs> the session we were in with him together. Uh, on relationships. Man. 
<laughs> it's called Why I Chose Teaching. Why I Chose Teaching. A reminder. Yeah, man. I, I know everyone on my row, in the two rows, one row in front of me and one row behind me, we all hugged afterwards because we were all so emotional and crying when he was done. Um, and he, what stuck out to me is that he said that when he was giving his interview for the Georgia Teacher of the Year, uh, 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 a reporter asked him, you know, why does he do what he do? And he says to repay a debt. And, and they took that and ran with it. And then he explained to us what did he mean by repaying a debt. And to hear his story of struggle, uh, of poverty growing up, of disability growing up. And how he had teachers who believed in him. He had teachers who said, I'm not going to let you fail. Um, that became a superhero to him to where he could go and, um, you know, go and be who he is and do what he does, man. It was like, I get, I get teary eyed now, sorry. <laughs> but um, those eyes, and I'm gonna, I'm industrious, innovative, inspirational, impactful, intentional, invested in it to win it. I remember I wrote them all down because each one of them or what we have to do as educators. And it's really how we got in this profession. You know, I know right now in a lot of states, um, teacher pay is a big deal. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of teachers are, you know, finally standing up themselves and demanding, you know, higher pay, higher salaries. And, and surprisingly, I know in Texas, they're listening. Um, we were just approved for a raise. In our district, I know, my wife's district, uh, Katie, um, some teachers are getting as high as a 15% raise coming into this next school year um, in some districts, not ours, but in some districts they are. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I just said in the group chat yesterday with a bunch of educators, I said, you know, it does not matter what we get paid. I'm so thankful. I kept saying I'm so thankful that I don't work for a paycheck. I work to change lives. And I kind of shut down the group because nobody wanted to talk to me upset, <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's true. It, it is not about the paycheck. We knew getting into this, we were not going to become millionaires. We were not going to go buy million-dollar homes in the Bahamas or buy islands in there. Unless we get a coalition of teachers together, and we could probably do it, but we knew we were not going to be rock stars like that. But we could be superheroes. You know, I, I joked with one of the teachers, uh, teacher Hart, I said, you got to remember, Superman was a reporter. Superman... Mm, all the strength he had, he could have went on and played somebody's football team, could have ran track, could have went in the Olympics, could have did this. He's a reporter. He's an everyday reporter. Reporters don't make a lot of money. I have friends who are reporters right now that don't make a lot of money unless you start publishing big stories and, and get into some major um, print documents. But you're just a reporter. But his secret identity was that he was Superman. So that's our secret identity. And I don't shy away from telling people that I'm a teacher. I encourage people to ask me questions, you know, and it's amazing that when you tell people I'm an educator, the first thing they say is, oh, man, God bless you. Oh, man. You know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, people shake your hand. I say, that should be how teachers see themselves. That's how teachers should see themselves. Remind themselves, Simon Sinek says, what's your why? What's your why? 
what's your why. And, you know, he also talked about how teachers see education and everything. And right after that session, we were sitting on the boat and we were watching the movie Creed by the pool. And when, when, when uh, Creed 2, and when Adonis was getting ready to fight uh, Drago, because they were pumping it up to saying, oh, he killed your, his, his father killed your father. You got to do this. Rocky asked him one question. Why are you fighting? He said, I just told you why I'm fighting. He said, no, 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 no. Why are you fighting? Yeah. And in that moment, he had to realize that I was fighting for the wrong reasons. So are you teaching for the wrong reasons? You know, that's the question you can ask teachers. Are you teaching for the wrong reasons? Are you in it for the wrong reasons? Because if you're in it for anything that's going to change a student's life, then you're in it for the wrong reason. If you're in it for any other reason to say that I had a hand in tilling the soil of the future of our country and our world, you're in it for the wrong reasons. And man, when he said that, oh, the students that are 90, 95% passing, the schools that are 95% passing, you still have 5% that are failing. Yeah, you can celebrate and be happy for the 95%. And he encouraged it. He goes, I'm going to tell you, celebrate that. He said, but think about that 5%. That's somebody's kid. What if it was yours that was in that 5%? You know, and it was a reality check. Because we do celebrate that, but we don't remember that they're, when you have 90, 85%, that means 15% of your kids did. What about those? Mm-hmm. Are we just going to say, oh, I'm not worried about those because I met my 85% quota for the, for the, for the for state district requirements? Or No, we can't do that. Can't do that. But, yeah. <sighs> Hell yeah. The one thing we wanted to talk about in that, I just saw it because I wrote it down. When he talked about the difference between, and I'm gonna let you speak on that, excitement and engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he talked about moving kids, you know, to participate in the learning. So you know, he said he told the story of how he had fireworks and he put them under this plastic cover, and he was talking about elements or I, I don't metal. know. Exactly. The, the, metal. The burning point of metal. What the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the metal. yeah, the properties of metal. And mm-hmm. he put it under there and light fireworks, and kids were ooing and on and ooing and on. And were great, and then, you know, he did it again, and the kids were great, and he was, you know, the kids were so excited, and then he moved to go into the lesson, and the kids were like, no, 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 Mr. Bethel, just keep lighting fireworks. And he said that was where he learned that excitement only turns to engagement if the kids follow you when it's time to learn. And he gave examples of, you know, he also told the story of this time where, you know, he had gotten through the grapevine that he was going to get observed. And... You know, he put this great lesson together where he was doing all these things. The kids were eating out of the palm of his hand. And the principal came in and asked him like four or five times, how do you know what the kids learned? And that was where he learned this idea of excitement and following doesn't mean the kids are actually engaging and learning. And he just spoke so profoundly that, you know, you can get it's easy to get kids whipped up into a frenzy and get them excited. But it only it only works if they get excited enough that they follow you when it's time to do the learning it's time to do the lesson portion of it rather than the the flashy part that gets kids fired up and that and i and i thought that was so profound is is you know it's like i said it's it's not 
as difficult to get kids excited. You know, they're kids. They get excited about the small. But you got to make it's sure that. It starts raining outside, they get excited. Yeah. Or in your te- when you're in Texas, it starts to snow, and then they just lose their minds. But <laughs> but I, I just thought that was so profound in, in changing that mindset of, from just being like, oh, once, once my kids are excited, I know they're engaged and they're learning. No. Their only enga- excitement only goes to engagement when the kids follow you into the lesson and, and work and you can track and make sure you're getting assessments of that, you know, the fact that they're learning that's, and I thought that was such a, a powerful way to describe that and to make that concrete, it, you know, saying, you know, this, this is the only way, you know, kids are actually learning. And he talked about that formative assessment piece and, and how there are different ways we could use formative assessments. And, um, I mean, that's, I, I can't I can't stress enough to those who, who've never experienced teacher heart out that I know you may look at the pictures, you may see the videos, you may think it's just all rah 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 cheerleading cheerleading. But there's a lot of great coaching going on. Yeah, you can't cheerleaders cheerleaders. What? Oh God, thank you, thank you. Cheerleaders will be pointless if you didn't have coaches because cheerleaders cheer for the team. Teams play for a coach, so. Cheerleaders would be neat if you did not have coaches. And they assembled such a great team of coaches to bring in this wealth of knowledge of where where, where, where students should be in the classroom and a diverse group of, of educators who, who bring a diverse um, a diverse background of, of, of knowledge of, of educational experience. And I think that that is, 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 again, that heart. And we said, you know, to me, I think Casey Bethel is that heart. He's that heart of the teacher heart. Um, he, he is, he talked about the quote, diligence is the path up the mountain of knowledge. Heart work is the boat across the endless sea of learning. And how that was the only quote that he found in Chinatown in San Francisco that was written in English and how it directly spoke to him because he's a teacher. And the one thing that you find is something that's talking about what students should be doing in the classroom and how even on the boat, one of his students that he had taught in ninth grade uh, was on the boat with us on the cruise, not part of teaching right now, just randomly on the boat uh, with us and still remembered that quote 10 years after he had experienced it. Um, and again, that impact of, of, of nurturing that seed within students to grow them intentionally, man, it, 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 like I say, doesn't pay big, but the returns are so great. Returns are so great. Mm. Yeah, so then we had Monica's session. Um, just on um, on how to use games and engagement, and there's so many great ones that I think what we would want to do is just plug all the stuff that she's got going because it's you know she she only did two or three games, um, but like her book, 180 Days of Awesome. Um, and there's actually two other ones. She's got three now, and I the names escape me. Game Changers is one. Game Changers is one. And I think mm-hmm. there's a newer one coming out if it hasn't come out already. But um, 
just the energy she brings and to her again the point is authenticity you know she is genuine to herself who she is um you know and it and it's and it's akin to what Jed is you know her and she and Jed you know kind of came in late to the luau when it wasn't super hyped and the two of them all of a sudden just they were able to just with their energy and who they are move the move the dance floor from the front all the way to the back so let me ask you was that was the, the dance i know it's off the top but the dance jet was doing is that his dance because i don't <laughs> the know that's what he was doing i had never seen it before but it was pretty cool uh <laughs> i have it on video so Man, it's Jed Derryberry showed up in a pineapple <laughs> costume. Uh, that was hilarious. But you know, first he was Woody. First he was Woody. Then he was a Lego. Lego. Then he was um, squirrel. He was a squirrel. And then this time he was a pineapple. Oh man, <laughs> dude loves his costumes, but. Yeah, you know, so it's just that point of, um, you know, and in those sessions, you know, Monica's session, just giving you, like you said, concrete, you know, it's it's great to go on and learn about these games, but she shows you in the session, she plays them with you, gives you real world feedback, and then shows you examples of how she's using it in her class. In the class. Mm -hmm. Which I think, again, to be able to see someone else doing it, again, I may not be the one to run around the classroom. That may not be me, you know. But if if I am, I see that it's possible. And if I'm not, I've seen someone do it. So if I see a teacher that may be struggling in the area, that's something that I can pass on to them and say, hey, here's something that you can do in the classroom. You know, as teachers, we have to get out of that, the silo of, I'm going to do it my way and only my way, and I'm not going to share this with anybody else. You know, we have to open up our classrooms to, to everybody to see, because again, at the end of the day, Casey said it, Monica said it, uh, Lindsay said it when we were, I was in her session about PBLs, that we want 100% of students all over this world, all over the country, the world, to really be successful in becoming young adults. And we know that the experience we give them in that K-12 time is so critical to what they're going to become and develop. Uh, you know, I tell kids all the time, either you're going to be my doctor when I get older or you're going to try to mug my daughter. So what I do right now has a great impact on the future. So I want to make sure that I, I sow those seeds and I build those relationships so that you can understand that, that there are people out here who believe in you and who want you to be successful and that you don't have to take the route of what you see because I'm gonna show you something different. And I think that that is just paramount for our craft and, and how we can really move the needle of education. Let's, you know, let's, let's get focused on, on the main thing. Man, keep, the, keep the main thing the main thing? I, I, I was gonna stay away from that because after we start Gary Brooks <laughs> live, he, he talked about our educational cliches. That was one, so I was gonna try to stay away from it, but you get it. Keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, and I and I just feel like too, you know, to the point of being, you know, connected with this conference. I feel like I'm almost 
an ambassador to go out and, and model these things. And hopefully the things that I'm learning can model, you know, cause maybe not everybody wants to go to teach your heart or can, but, but I can go and model these things that I'm learning and hopefully be the example that helps a teacher, even if they never go to it, go to a teacher. Heart out. When you have access to such an incredible um, group of people and, you know, they're so incredibly giving as well. It's not mm-hmm. like we just have communication with them when we're at teacher heart out. They are very willing to help anybody and everybody who reaches out to them. Mm-hmm. So, and I just have to plug Lindsay Petlick real quick. Um, her session on PBL uh, was the first time my wife and I actually sat in a session together. Um, and again, been married for seven years. We've both been in education for 10 plus years. We've never gone to a conference together. And um, so we were both sitting in this session with Lindsay and she was just sharing with us that, you know, the, the, the umbrella of, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, we're going to do genius hour, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do, you know, service-based learning. She's like, well, all of that is under the umbrella of project-based learning. Because how do, and she gave us some great, um, resources and some references from MIT professors who says things like kids don't learn from what they hear you say they learn from what they experience and what PBL does is give students the actual experience to connect what they know with what they're learning and then they can go out and create it for themselves and I think that that is where we have to grow into and she even said it may not be for every lesson but if you can just find one unit that you're teaching. I know last year my goal was to have one project per per quarter that my kids do. So I found one lesson in there and I presented it to the kids at the beginning of the first, at the beginning of the second, at the beginning of the third. I didn't get to do my fourth one because I was pulled to do interventions uh, at the end of the year. But um, it was really, um, it really nailed home the fact that we, we, we are so critical to the fabric um, of, of this society that we, we have to start doing. You know, I think about you make clothes and thread that holds your pants together. It's not the whole pants. But if you take the thread away, you don't have a pair of pants. Right. Right. So, you know, so you take that thread away, you take teachers away, you just have a bunch of fabric laying around. That's really not a lot of use for anybody. It can cover things, but it has no direct purpose. You don't have a skirt. You don't have a pair of shoes. You don't have a pair of pants. You don't have a shirt. You just have a piece of fabric, a piece of cotton, a piece of denim, a piece of leather. Um, but when you put that thread through it and connect it together, that's what teachers do. We're that thread that brings everything together. And we just have to start really attacking our craft that same way and don't be afraid to grow and share what you grow, share your growth with other people. And I think the biggest part of teacher how does just connecting and networking with the teachers. You know, Casey said he goes, you don't have to go look for amazing teachers. You have amazing teachers right in your classroom, right on your campus. You don't have to go search for this person. And I think you know, that was um, uh, Gary Brooks who said that at his, at his presentation. Those are some of the greatest teachers and greatest minds you have in your own building but you don't talk to them. Oh, when you do talk, you're not talking about things that's going to better you having that. We know, we all know the workroom talk, the copy machine talk, the teacher's lounge talk. Right. 
But if we shift that paradigm of how we have, how we engage with each other, we'll change the narrative of education across the board. And people really start seeing our value. Yeah, and then um, to kind of wrap up the sessions, I went to Eric and Jed's session on helping kids cure writer's block, and it was just um, games and activities and strategies to help kids get started in writing and really overcome that. And, you know, the one game that really, it, I don't want to say game, it was more of an activity that really stood out to me was they, they handed us a paper towel tube, you know, like a the tube for paper towels, no paper towels on it. And they had us play categories. So write down all the uses of, of this paper towel tube. And the whole point was to be the more specific, the better. So somebody got a point in the game because they said, this is a straw for a wine bottle. And even though somebody had said it was a straw, they had not been specific enough to say it's a straw for a wine bottle. And it was to drive us to, you know, be very detailed and specific and, and, and to think creatively about something that's aesthetically so simple as a, as a, Oh, excuse me. Um, uh, as a, as a paper towel, roll, you know, and it, it was just really good. But to, to listen to those two guys who are, you know, and, and we are probably luckier than most to really be able to call those guys friends. Um, you know, not just people we know or people we've met, but genuinely that those guys are friends um, and to have access to them. And I, and I think, you know, for me being that it's our third time at teach your heart out, I mean, that's what matters. I mean, we really have a incredible group of people that that we can lean on and we made those friends just like everybody else did and like the first time we made friends you know just with everybody and or with you know with people who were presenters and people who weren't mm-hmm. you know and and like you said the point that Gary Brooks made at the end to kind of wrap it up was you know he had everybody who came by themselves you know stand up in the auditorium and i can almost rest assured that none of those people spent the whole time by themselves unless they chose to. All, they of chose those, to. all of those people met and had new connections and new people. And like for us to get to continue to build our relationship with Brandy Brown and Amber, Amber Calderon and you know, those, those shout people, out to Nearpod. Yeah. Nearpod and hand of mine. <laughs> and hand, hand of mine. Yeah. And hand of mine. And you know, to be able to continue to build that network of people around me. And I, and I've said this a lot, it, to be able to have people who, who know me, you know, the, the Jeds and the Eric's and you and your wife and Chelsea and Matt, and to be able to talk to them about my situation and where I'm at in, in this process of trying to get back into the classroom. And they gave me advice, but more than that, they, you know, I, I know those people are in my corner and that's what you need when you're in a position, you know, kind of like I am. And I know there are teachers that are out there in the same position to just steal and, you know, to both give you the, the, the uplifting part that you need, but also give you the reality. Like there may be a point where I just have to go back to subbing and I have to get back into classrooms and I have to build those relationships because I'm in a place that nobody really knows me. Like nobody really knows me. 
And granted, both the places where I knew people and I got interviews, that was in April and it's almost July and I haven't heard anything. And so that's where you figure you had you had the in. Right. But, it, it, but we know that faith is believing in what we cannot see. Boom. And that's what we operate in every single day. We don't see kids passing assessments. We don't see kids graduating, but we believe they will. We don't see you right now in a position, but we believe you will get there. And and I, and I believe that, that the universe just hadn't sent it to you because, again, it has to be the perfect fit for you. Right. You know, and I was talking with JC because JC's in a similar situation. A good friend of ours, you know, we met um, We met her. Did we meet in Las, Las Vegas? Vegas, first? yep. Her and Garrett. Her and Garrett, and we were talking during our mustard, <laughs> our mustard session, um, right. about you know that's 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 her reality now because she um, she's she's currently looking for a position. She's like, I don't know if I'm going to actually pursue a position in the classroom if I'm going to do this and do that because she's kind of in between now also, and just to encourage her that you know trust trust the process. Everything that we go through the process and every no, every closed door is an op- is, is an opportunity. Right. Um, um, what did uh, my, one of my good friends, uh, Darian Butler, he's a baker, uh, DB Desserts. So if you've never had Triple D Desserts, oh man, you've got to get this guy. Um, um, but he talks about, um, he says no is... Um, what did I ask? No. New opportunity. Every no is a new opportunity. So, right. you can think of it that way. You get all the no's you want because that just gives you a new opportunity. A new opportunity to learn. A new opportunity to transcend what you're doing. So, it's getting kind of busy over here. But, uh, yeah, man. And, and I got to jump because I got to get going to work. But, um, yeah, man. So, like we said, uh, Teach your heart out. Uh, this coming October will be in San Antonio. Uh, yes. March of 2020 will be San Diego. July of 2020 will be Toronto. And then I think they're about to announce um, uh, the fall of the fall of 2020 and um, something for 2021. They're already rolling out 2021. So um, and we'll come back. And I'm excited. Oh. Like I'm excited. Like my palms got sweaty once you started talking about it. I was like, yeah. But and, and we'll come back and we're gonna bring Eric back for an episode just on donors choose. Um, oh yeah. And whether Absolutely. it's in reference to um teacher heart out or whatever else you need. But at this point, ma'am, I think we both gotta jump. So Yeah. Yeah. Just one last word before we get everybody out. Find a network of teachers that you can get, get 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 involved with. Get involved. Be present in it. Be transparent in it. Find people that you can be yourself around, and and don't be afraid to to to, to step out there and say, "I don't know something. I need help." Right. And find people that'll that'll support you in that help. Hmm. Perfect, man. Well, thank you everybody for listening, my brother. Good to talk to you. All right. And uh, we'll be back again soon. Peace, love, and respect. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am here with my co-host and co-founder, Wilkie V. Law III. We want to thank you for taking time to listen and share your stories with us. We appreciate you, whether you're listening on SoundCloud, on YouTube, 
on iHeartRadio or on iTunes. We are a podcast for educators, created from a six-year conversation between us, two educators from different backgrounds and journeys that discovered that the true value in education is in the connections that teachers make with their students and the relationships that develop from that connection. The purpose of our podcast is to provide educators a platform to share their voices with others, make those connections, and to return value to the classroom experience and the teaching craft. Above all, we believe that when you add value to yourself, you add value to others. So welcome to Value Adds Value.